Thank you for being here with us this morning. I want to share with you uh, over the next couple of weeks this idea of uh, walking with God. We used to use this term and phrase quite a bit, especially back in the college days. We would ask one another, how's your walk with the Lord? We had journals, that the walking with God journal. And so we use the phrase, and there are other ways to talk about our relationship with the Lord, but we just use this phrase, walking with God. I'm not even for sure how sort of trendy it is uh, anymore, but our references come from Scripture. And the idea that, you know, you can have ever, however you want to describe your relationship with the Lord, it's this idea of walking. Uh, because walking gives a certain sense, right? Walking when you're walking with somebody. That's a different relationship. Uh, we're going somewhere and we're walking. We've chosen about the sort of almost the slowest mode of travel, but it's the most comprehensive uh, mode of travel as well. There are several verses in the Bible. We wouldn't use these like as text verses necessarily. They're just sort of descriptive of what we're talking about. My favorite is the first one mentioned in the scriptures. This is in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve are in the garden. They've already sinned. They're hiding from God. And it says this. Notice this phrase. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking. How does a voice walk? You ever think about it? Uh, they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So it wasn't like this voice is out here somewhere, and where is that voice coming from? We're not for sure. It's almost written in a way that this was routine, this was pattern. In fact, they knew it, and that's why they sort of like uh, jumped ahead of it and went and hid themselves. They had sinned, and they were ashamed, and, they were, and the Scripture says they were afraid. It's the first time the word afraid is mentioned, this sort of uh, unnecessary, almost toxic feeling that they had about God that they shouldn't have, but nonetheless... They were afraid and they hid themselves, but it's this idea of a, the voice of God walking. Maybe you've been with a friend somewhere hiking uh, or hunting, and you've been out in the woods and you've gotten separated from each other. You can hear somebody. You don't see them yet, but you hear them. And the moment you hear them, you sort of make a frame of reference about where they are. And, and if they keep talking, you can tell if they're getting closer or farther away, right? Right? I've done that a couple of times up in the mountains. Uh, me and some college buddies, years and years ago, we got separated from each other. And we sort of like, you know, hey, just keep pinging, so to speak. Just keep saying something. Now, it can be a little deceptive in the mountains, the way the, your voice will, will bounce off. But nonetheless, I could tell that they were coming toward me because they kept talking. And I could tell that they were walking toward me. And this is what the scripture says here in Genesis, that the voice of the Lord was walking. And, and I love this, in the cool of the day. He wasn't there during the time of work. He wasn't there lording over your shoulder. He wasn't there, this like onerous God, making sure that you do a good job. No, he comes in at the end of the day, and he wants to fellowship with you. And not only that, but he wants to talk to you and see the work that you've done. And other scriptures, Enoch and Noah walked with God. Other uh, uh, folks walked with the Lord in the Bible, but it says specifically this phrasing that they walked with God. Micah 6, 8 says to walk humbly with the Lord because there's this tendency that if you walk with God, you could get pretty haughty about that. You could get pretty cocky about that, right? Because after all, it's walking with God. And there's this tendency that if I'm walking with the Lord and the Lord's teaching me and showing me and I'm growing to him, 
you could see how that could easily sort of go to your head. And this is why he says to walk humbly with thy God. Amos says this, that uh, can two walk together except they be agreed? In other words, there's no way to walk together, walking with God, unless we have some agreement here about where and how and who's leading the walk. Did you know that you can walk with somebody side by side and that person still be the leader? You don't have to be like right behind them the whole time. In fact, the most enjoyable walks um, that you'll have is walking with somebody side by side. Maybe it's new territory for you. Maybe it's an old path for them. So they're leading and you're working off of their lead, but you're still here uh, side by side. Think with this. Think a, a moment with me about this phrase. I'm walking with God. Uh, this this idea of the pace in which we are traveling. This is the phrase that they would come up with, and and we don't say it hardly anymore to each other. But God's speed, right? God's speed. And sometimes we think of God's speed being like astronomical, super fast. God's speed is the speed of a walk. This is how He moves. Look at it all through Scripture. Uh, the promises that he gives to those that we would read about, the characters that we read about in Scripture, rarely was there a promise given and immediately it fulfilled. Sometimes it stretched generations. This is the, this is the pace in which God wants to travel with all of us. It's this idea of walking with God is this idea of the day-to-day. If I were to ask you how your relationship is with the Lord... Sometimes we will say, oh, it's great, and then we would give like an illustration of why it's great. This happened, this recent prayer request. Or if I said, how's your relationship with the Lord? You'd say, oh, I'm telling you, I'm drawn really close to him because of something bad that's just happened. But what about that relationship when, it, when it's neither a mountaintop or a valley? What about that day-to-day relationship? And this is the idea of walking with God. It's this relationship of this day to day. And so when you're walking, you you realize that the here, where I'm at right now at this moment, is as equally important as where we're going. Have you ever traveled somewhere, maybe by car or bicycle or motorcycle if you're brave enough? And you traveled somewhere by a, a, a faster mode of transportation and then walked that same distance at another time? Have you ever noticed that you notice things walking that you don't notice when you're driving? Maybe a friend that you uh, frequent, uh, frequently visit and, and, you, and you typically just drive over there. And then the weather's nice and you say, you know what, it's just a couple of blocks, I'm going to walk it. And then you start walking and you realize, well, I never noticed that. I never noticed that. And there's a house there behind all that shrub. I never noticed that. It's because before you just like sort of fly by stuff. But when you walk, you notice stuff in the moment. Friend, that's the idea here. It's not so much about where you're going. It's as much about where you are right now with the Lord. How's your relationship with the Lord? Isn't it interesting? That sometimes when we say, how's our relationship, I could say, how's your relationship almost like with your spouse, with your employer, your employee, how's your relationship with your kids, how's your relationship with your neighbor? And almost all of those questions you would have, maybe the answer might be a little embarrassing, but you'd have an answer pretty quick. If I said this morning, hey, how's your relationship with your husband? How's your relationship with your wife? You wouldn't have to think, oh, let me see. Let me think about that. That's, uh, it's, it's complicated. It's, 
I'm not for sure. No, you've got an answer. You may not like the answer, but you got an answer. But when it comes to how's your relationship with God, that's a little, a little, that's got some nuance to it, right? That's got some, and, and you would say, well, let me give you this backstory. Let me start, not talk about right here, right now where we are. Let me take you back to this, what happened to me when I was a kid. This was the experience I had in church. And you, all of a sudden, you want to give me a lot of background before you give me the snapshot about like right where you are right now with the Lord. It's this idea of the walk. It's right now, right here. Then there's this idea of the proximity. So there were several modes of transportation back in uh, Jesus' time. Most always they traveled in groups, and the larger the group, the safer it was to travel. We would call them a caravan, right? So you could travel with somebody and never walk with that person. It was, quite, it was likely that you could travel in a, a group sometimes of 12 to 40 folks, aunts, uncles, and cousins, and you would walk with somebody. And if I said to you, hey, did you go with Uncle so-and-so? Oh, yeah, we traveled together. Did, well, what, how's he doing? Oh, I don't know. I, didn't, I never walked with him. Fact is, I never even saw him. I just know we were all in the group together. Some of you remember the story of Jesus when he was just a little boy. And his mom and dad, they, they went to Jerusalem for the, a feast. They left Jerusalem. They all gathered together, aunts, uncles, and cousins, and they all left together. And the scripture says that they got several days down the road, and then they realized, you know what? Jesus ain't with us. Because it says they supposed or they assumed that he was in the caravan, but they wasn't with him. They didn't see him. It's possible to travel. You can travel in a group. And we're all going like our church is going to a certain destination. And, and you could say as a church we're following the Lord. But the question is, are you, walking with, are you walking with him side by side, day in and day out? It's a great question. Everybody ought to take some time to think about it. And then the idea of your partner, right? I'm walking day in and day out, side by side with God. And this is the most amazing thing, because once you realize who your partner is, it doesn't matter about the where. It's all about the who. Because here's the question, if you're walking with God, does it matter where you're going? You'd say, yeah, but I mean, I want to know where he's going to take me. It doesn't, it's God. You're walking with the Lord. Does it really matter? Well, I want to understand where we're going. Would it cause you not to go? If you didn't know how it was going to end up, would you not want to walk with God any? Well, of course you do. You know, Peter said, where else, who else are we going to walk with? So it's this idea of it's the, it's the right now is really more important than where I'm going. And it's the who that I'm walking with, walking with the Lord. So you say, all right, I do want to walk with God. And I do want my walk with God to be more than just valleys and mountaintops. I do want a day-in and day-out relationship with the Lord. And so that way, if I'm ever asked about, or if I ever ask myself the question, how's my walk, how's my day-in and day-out walk with the Lord? I want to have, a good, I wanna have a, a good answer. Not just a good answer that sounds good, but an answer that's real and authentic. Because I've got a real, authentic, day-in and day-out relationship with the Lord. I would say to you, dear friend, 
where you're going to find that walk, and that walk is going to be based upon Jesus. Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus was revealed in the Bible, right? God was revealed in the Bible. And so your God, who is revealed in Jesus, who is your best representation, your best understanding of what, it, of what the Father is like, is, is to understand and read about the life of Christ who is revealed in the Scripture. Therefore, if that be the case, your relationship with God or Jesus will be based upon your relationship with his word. So no, what I understand about Jesus is what my mama taught me. Where'd she get it from? Well, what I understand about Jesus is what that preacher says. I'm not, I, I mean, I'm doing it right now. I'm up here proclaiming the word of God, so I'm not dismissing that at all. But I'm saying, where did I get it from? We all get it from Scripture. And what I want you to sort of like own for yourself this morning is you don't have to have a, the, a, a, a theologian to tell you about your relationship with God. I'm not discounting the theologian. I'm not discounting somebody that spends their life studying the Scripture and how that person can help give me insight and understanding to the Scripture. But what I'm saying is in, if that theologian is doing his job, he's being led by the, led by the Holy Spirit. And it, once you become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into you to dwell. And the same spirit that will lead the theologian will lead you through his word. God himself will speak to you. Again, I, I don't want to discount my role as a preacher or a teacher, as the scripture says that God gives, uh, that the Lord gave apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists uh, for the work of the ministry to edify the saints. So we do have a job expounding the word of the Lord. But friend, it doesn't need to just be uh, your relationship with God doesn't just need to be through what you've heard me say or what you've heard a preacher or a pastor say. What I'm saying to you this morning is the Lord himself will speak to your heart and he'll speak to your heart day in and day out through, primarily through his word. Let me say it another way. Your success of your walk with the Lord will be in direct correlation to your success in his word. Now, for some of us, that's like, oh, that does, that's not good because I don't understand the Bible. I've never understood the Bible, and I've not had a great relationship with the Bible, and it just sort of sits there, and I grab it on Sunday night or I grab it on Sunday morning and bring it to church with me. I believe the Bible. I believe the things in the Bible, but I've just never really had a great working relationship with the Scripture. I hear you. Right, But here's what I want you to understand. Here's what I want you to sort of like buy into. Let me say it again. Your success. So I'm telling you that your success depends upon, and it's going to be in direct correlation to your success in his word. Again, we're not talking about getting a master's degree in it. We're not talking about some big final exam to see how you're doing. What I'm saying is day in and day out, the Lord himself can speak to you through his word. And, and, and yes, we should, as Paul tells Timothy, to study to show ourselves approved. But nonetheless, once you realize, it's, it's like um, once you realize you got to have it, it's like breathing or eating or anything else that's an absolute must, then you just figure out how to do it. And you just figure out, hey, this, is gonna be a, this has got to be a part of my life. And so I'm going to get some help. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to you know, whatever it is, I'm going to find me an app that will help me. I'm going, to get some, I'm going to get some help about the Scripture. I want, to, I want to be able to go to the Word of God myself. Get some guidance, get some direction, get some maybe some, some advice on, uh, you know, who to listen to or who to follow or who to read. 
that could give you a better understanding, but once you understand that your success in this day-in and day-out walk, which is going to make life so much more worth living, once you understand that your success is in direct correlation to your success in his word, then whatever, cha- whatever the challenge is or whatever the obstacle is to keep us from that, we just have to, we got to figure a way around it. Why? Because my success in this walk is in direct correlation to my success in his word. So I'm going to make it an absolute priority and a part of, and a, a part of my life. So once you, once you buy into that, then here's the question is, how does his word speak to you? How does his word speak to you? Again, praise God for preachers and teachers and missionaries and praise God for instructors and praise God for the Bible theologians that can, you know, sort of frame thoughts and ideas for us to handle. But I want God speaking to you. I want the Lord impressing upon your heart. I want the Lord to speak, not a, an audible voice out there, but a written word right here. And when you read that and the Lord speaks to your heart, about direction or discernment for what you're praying about and the direction that you want to go. And and dear friend, he will speak, and it will be some of the sweetest moments in your life when you humbly come before the Lord and say, Lord, here's the situation, here's the thing. I've gotten counsel, I've gotten guidance, Lord. I've opened myself up to, to the leadership of the Spirit, and you come to his word, and the Lord speaks to your heart through his word, and you're going to know it when he does. And it's going to, there's just something to it. It's like this thing is alive. This isn't like an old dusty textbook just about, about random information about the past. And it's not just left up to the guy or the gal standing on a stage teaching it somewhere. This is between me and my God, who I have a relationship with. And the same spirit that led those writers to write what we find here, that same spirit dwells now in me. And so when I go to his word, it can resonate. And I know that this is the passage, this is the place, and this is how God is speaking to me. So the question is, how does uh, his word speak to you? I've got uh, here on my whiteboard, let's see if I can take this down. And um, once I take it down, you're going to think, that's it. You covered that up just for that. But uh, so there it is. I didn't, want you, I didn't want you reading ahead, right? So over the next couple of weeks, I want to fill this in for you. For me, this is not so much probably a sermon as it is just a testimony, but this has sort of been my path, and I'm sharing uh, that with you, and hopefully there are some common denominators about my path that you could uh, work into your own life. Because understanding, understanding uh, the, the, the purpose for the Word of God, uh, I've sort of bounced around for many years. And I would go back and forth, back and forth sometimes. Um, I've heard preachers say, and I probably have said too, you know, like in the past, hey, the Bible's like a manual, you know, like a, like a manual to your car, and it'll tell you how to run it at its best performance. And yeah, um, it, is, it is a book of principles, I grant you that, and that's why I've got it up here on the board, and I understand that, but it's, it's so much more than that. The main purpose of, of this book is to not tell me what to do. I didn't say it wasn't a purpose, I just said it wasn't the main purpose. 
The main purpose of this book is to tell me what God has done. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Who's it supposed to build faith in? Me and what I can do? Or is it supposed to build faith in what God has done and what God is going to do? So the main purpose of reading and, being a, and, 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 and having a working, uh, a working relationship with the word is to build faith about God. And it's to build the faith in the God that, uh, the God that I want to have a relationship with. It tells me, and once you get in it and you realize, hey, you know what? God's, God is God. And everything he said is going to come to pass. It may not come to pass in the time that I want it to come to pass in. And it may not work out the way I wanted it to work out, but it's going to work out the way he wants it to work out. And so it's supposed to build a strong faith in who God is. That's the idea of getting into it. Yes, there are principles by which I am supposed to live, and I can find them there. But dear friend, I get in here and I realize God is God and there's no God like him. And what he said is coming to pass. And that's my foundation. So that's my first sort of working relationship with this book. Number one, I realize, I, I, I realize that it's a, it's a book of, of, about a providential God. The providence of God. Now, providence, in my opinion, it's the easiest thing to explain and the hardest thing to comprehend. And which is simply this, God's in charge. And what he says goes. And how he says it's all going to wrap up, it's all going to wrap up. Well, what's the hard part to comprehend? He gives me a, a role to play. He gives me choice. I've got choice, but then he's in charge. Right, he's in charge. It's going to wrap up the way he said it's going to, it's going to wrap up the way. And he's got all power to change anything he wants to along the line. That's exactly right. He's in charge. He is a God of providence. He's already told. You can read how it all ends up. He is a God of providence. You read any story you want where there's a promise given, whether it's to Abraham or to Moses or whoever it is, and it, and, and it works out just like God said it's going to work out, and it works out in God's timing. But at the same time, he gives us our part and choice to make within that, uh, sort of like within those boundaries. But it's all gone the way he said it's going to go. It, he is a... God of providence, and that's, what I, that's the strength that I get. And so that's where my hope rests. My hope rests in what God will do based upon what God has done. Some verses that I threw up here that you can see, and they're just sort of representative verses, but Proverbs 21.1 says, God can turn the heart of a king whatever way he wants to turn it. So, well, boy, I wish he would turn the heart of a few kings I know. He said he can turn the heart of a king whatever way he wants to turn it. Uh, Psalm 24, 1 says uh, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And all they that dwell therein, it's all God's and he has all power. That's not hard to explain, is it? And, and you can absolutely just rest in his, write this word down, his excellency. You can just rest in his excellency. Because everything he does is excellent. No mistakes. There's nothing that's going to happen in the course of human events that God says, oh, oh, I didn't see that coming. 
Now I got to backtrack on a few things that I've promised. Now I sort of got to backtrack about, no, no. It's, it's an excellent plan. An excellent plan. Well, did he see that, uh, that humanity was going to fall into sin? The scripture says Jesus had been, was crucified before the foundations of the world were ever set. Nothing uh, pops out at God. Nothing, uh, nothing grabs him by surprise. Nothing sets him back on his heels. Nothing causes him to worry or, or, or have anxiety. He is, uh, is all-powerful, all-knowing. And so uh, rest in his excellence. So I say this, I look to hear. I look to hear in my darkest moments. When it doesn't make sense to me, when I don't understand, and when I've asked, and he hasn't answered, and it causes me to guess, I just look to this great God who has told me, those of us who are followers of Jesus and our faith in him, this is, this is what I know. I know I win. I win in the end. I know because my name is written in heaven and my faith is in Christ. I know that I'm not working to get in. The work has been done for me. I'm not working to win God's favor. Jesus has won God's favor. And the scripture tells me that I'm hid in Jesus. I'm wrapped in his righteousness. And so the only, the only way I get knocked out of heaven is you got to kick Jesus out. How many of you think Jesus is getting kicked out? He ain't getting kicked out, friend. And you're hid in him. In fact, is that's his righteousness being applied to your life. And so I know, I know that this is not the end. I know to those loved ones whose funeral services we attend, I know that's not the end. I know that I'll see them again. And compared to the experience that we're going to have then, to this little brief vapor of a moment right now, you can't compare it. I know we win in the end. I know this is not the end of the story. I know that the suffering and the pain that you're experiencing is not for naught. It's not for just, it's not just, it's not just an accident. That he works all things together for good to them that love God. Verse 29 of that Romans 8, 28 says that I will be destined to be formed to the image of Christ. That's where I'm going and nothing is going to stop it. And nothing that's going to happen is going to throw God for a loop. This is, uh, this is where my hope rests. It, it rests in the God that I see revealed in the scripture who never loses and he's never wrong and he's never found in a moment without power. It's not some like some, some trilogy of gods that you would see in the Roman world where they're fighting back and forth and oh no, is the, is the good God going to win or the evil God going to win? Friend, there's one God and he's all powerful and that same God, who we feel like sometimes flung the stars and the planets into orbit, actually with mathematical precision, he runs it all. And he's in charge of it all. And he's guaranteed me a final result. And that result is me in his presence in heaven. 
And nothing is going to come between me and that. Nothing that I'm going to do or nothing that's going to take place is going to be able to interrupt that. Because he said, if you'll come to me, I guarantee you I'll get you to the end result. Now, sometimes we don't like the trip in between. Write down John chapter 16 where Jesus said to his followers, Hey, listen, there's coming a time when people are going to kill you for my name or they think they're doing it in God's name, but don't worry, I've overcome the world. I've often thought about that little moment, right? It's like, hey, could you back up to just the, that, that part where you said people are going to kill us? Yeah, yeah, some, of, some folks, some of you, it's not going to go well here for some of you. But then he said, but, but be, of good, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Well, if you've overcome the world, then why do I got to go through it? Yeah, we'll talk about that later. You just put your trust in me, is what he says. And so I put my trust in him. Not every experience that I go through am I grading my thought or I'm coming to a conclusion about this God. Because I know he is absolutely all-powerful. Then there's this, uh, so that's the providence of God here, the principles that we'll talk about at another time. Uh, And the scripture gives us principles by which to live our lives, right? There's this middle ground here. And I'm going to just use the word to represent an idea. You can see that. And that word is prayer. Because to me, that is the, that's the, that's the sort of like this active ingredient. So I got principles over here. I understand this. You do these things and percentage wise, you know, you'll be better at life and life will be better for you. If you, if you'll apply these so-called or these uh, uh, said principles to your life. Then over here, I've got this rock solid uh, uh, trusting in the providence of God and he's co- he is absolutely going to come through with me and I'm resting in that. But then here's this relationship to the word as I read the word, uh, this idea of prayer. This idea that I can get this providential God over here to interact in my personal life. Now that's the big question. Can I get this God in personally involved, not in Moses' life and Daniel and Abraham's life, not in some great uh, missionary's life, not in Billy Graham's life, but can I get that God involved in my life? I can get him to interact and can I actually get him to interfere? Because if he doesn't interfere, I'm going to go through something or I'm going through something that I don't want to go through. And if he doesn't inject himself, I got to go through this thing. We'll talk about that at another time. But first, what we've got to do this morning is we need this foundation that my hope rests in this God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, and totally and completely in charge. So where is your hope? A couple of ways to think about it. Here's the first question. Is your hope in me doing what God wants me to do because I'm sort of performing? In other words, I'm hoping that I can do enough to coax, convince this God of providence to get involved in my life. 
So I'm going to do some stuff. I'm going to give and go and serve. And Lord, this is what I'm doing. And so my faith rests in what I can do to get him involved in my life. I've lived it. I've been there. And I'll just tell you, it's hard to get through that without disappointment. It's just, it's just hard. Or there's this other idea that, that my hope is in God doing what I want because I wore him down. I just wouldn't let go. I prayed and prayed and prayed and went and went and went. And I spoke faith and I just would not quit and I just would not and I would not and I would not. And the folks that share those stories, they only tell you of the times that it works. Because there's coming a time when you're going to be like, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I went and I went and I gave and I gave. And, and then you're left with, maybe if I'd have just prayed one more day. Maybe if I went just a little bit farther. Maybe if I worked just a little bit harder. Because after all, God is this stingy God, right? And he's got really blessings and good things. And, it's so, and you just said he's got all power and it's so easy for him. And, and so if it's so easy for him, why wouldn't he just release that thing that I was needing, that thing that I was praying for. And again, friend, I've played this game and I'm telling you there's disappointment coming down the road if that's where your hope rests. I'm not saying that we don't go to the Lord. The scripture says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But it's not based upon your ability to be diligent. It's this answer. God, my hope is in God doing what God has always done, not because of me, but because of who God is. And there I find rest. There I can, the, 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 that plane that I'm on that seems to have a whole lot of turbulence, I can recline my seat that inch and a half, and I can rest. So, but, but look at the, look at the you know, the, the, the story in the scripture was, look at the waves. And how was Jesus just down there just sleeping? Look at the waves. It's going to break the ship up. Are you kidding me? This, is going to, this, this accident is going to happen? Or haven't we done enough? Maybe if we did more that we could get the waves to calm down. Maybe I could wrestle something out of his hand. Maybe I could perform well enough to get his attention. Or maybe I can rest in a God who is going to do what God has always done. What is that? Everything he's done is out of love for me. Everything he's done is out of love for me. Well, here's an illustration, and I don't see how this, I get that. I understand that. I totally embrace that. I do understand that. But I'm resting in, in a guarantee that I have from my Heavenly Father that He loves me. And while I was yet a sinner and could not earn His grace or could not earn His favor, He died for me. Why? Because John said, when they asked John, old John, probably 100 years old, the only apostle or the only disciple that was not executed, though they tried, said, John, tell us something about this, this Jesus. 
tell us something about this relationship with God. And he just said, love. He's love. I just know he loves me. And though I don't understand it or don't see it, no more than a little child who doesn't get what it's crying for, but from a loving parent, I just rest in the fact that he loves me. And I rest in the fact that he's going to work all things out together for my good. And I rest in the fact that whatever I'm going through here is for, comparatively speaking, just a whisper of a vapor of a moment. And in the end, I win. And you win. Let your faith, let this, this relationship that you have with this word, if, it, if, it's, if it's just a book of principles and it gives, and it betters my odds, it'll do that enough, and it'll do it enough to where it's worth mentioning. And if it can tell me how to pray and get this God involved in my life, it's worth mentioning, and we will. But dear friend, the foundation is, the, 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 the foundational purpose of it is, is to help me to understand that the God that I've placed my faith in wins, and I win, and nothing, nothing is going to get that off the track. Would you bow your heads with me, please, uh, for just a moment? And so it's easy to say uh, when things are going well, hey, trust in the Lord, just trust in the Lord. Not the easiest thing in the world when there's a storm about you. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray now, and just in a moment, we'll have a, a time of communion together to remember what the Lord himself done for us. After that, We'll have an offering as folk are leaving. At the end of it all, most of the people will be walking out. We'll have some folks up here by the stage at the end of the service that are here for the very purpose to pray with you. And so if you've come in this morning with a heavy heart and you sort of don't know which way is up or which way to take, and it's hard to just say, I'm just going to trust him. I'm just going to trust him. I would love for you to take advantage of praying with these dear folk because they want to share that burden with you. And if you want us to know about it, you can share it with them and tell them, hey, tell the uh, pastors and, and, and we'll pray with you throughout the week. I just don't want you leaving with that burden. I want you to know that this, this day in and day out relationship with God, is, uh, it's available and he longs to have it with you. Father, I pray that you would um, take the word that's spoken, Spirit of God, apply it to the hearts of the dear hearers. Anything I've said, Lord, that, that was not right or anything that I said that was misunderstood, uh, please, Lord, just let there be grace uh, given um, and that uh, no belittling or making light of anything anybody's going through. Lord, I just want us to to walk out of here this morning knowing we're on solid ground because it doesn't depend upon me or my performance or winning your favor 
or more of it. Lord, I can't, I can't get your smile any larger than I can when I'm hid in Jesus. Help us to see it and to know it and who we are in Christ, uh, who we are to you because we're in Christ. Make that a reality this morning. In Christ's name, amen.